This week on the Talking Footy podcast, we caught up with the 268-game Tiger, Chris Newman. From his detest of pre-seasons and measures of success to captaining Richmond through some dark times, Chris opens up about handing leadership role to Koch and watching a Tiger army march into success from his new coaching role at Hawthorne under the tutelage of coaching maestro and storytelling extraordinaire Alastair Clarkson. Chris Newman, thanks for joining us. We've played a lot of footy against each other, uh, and now you're uh, at my old club, Hawthorne. Yeah, it's funny how it sort of works like that. It comes around in circles, but um, yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed my time here. Obviously, it's my third year here. Yep. Um, don't really miss the playing days too much, though. I'm, um, Why not? Uh, I don't know. For whatever reason, when I stepped out of the game, I think it just... Um, it just rang true that that was the time to step out. I, the, the only the only thing I miss is the competitiveness of yeah, um, or you know being in 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 a team environment working towards a common goal, which I've sort of got the last two years with with coaching Box Hill. But uh, it's a different element when you're putting the jumper on together and you you're going out there to, to battle. Um, so I've missed that part. The, the the side that I haven't missed is probably pre seasons. I reckon really yeah, just I've never really enjoyed them. Um, which is strange. I don't know if you did, but yeah. So I, so I always enjoyed the preseason. I thought um, I found you, you know, incremental improvement week on week, and you're feeling strong and, and good about yourself, and you weren't getting battered up week after week. But you didn't have that. You didn't have that, you know, that genuine competition or pressure this season and enjoyment that a season brings either. Yeah, I reckon it's it, it's funny when you, there's some guys that, for myself, I felt more um, pressure during preseason with. Um, time trial results, skin <laughs> folds, all those things. I always felt more pressure than I did game day. Yeah. Um, so whenever the footies come out and whenever it was the season proper, that was my comfort zone. Yeah. Um, and for some other guys, it was it was exactly the same as you. They're like, "Jesus, there's no pressure here. We're just getting fit and we're in the sun and we're enjoying yeah, each other's yeah, company." Yeah. Um, but yeah, I certainly don't miss it. I love I love being on the other side of it um, in the coaching ranks, but. Um, yeah, the body's the body's still struggling a little bit too. So two hundred and sixty-eight games, four years as captain yep. of the Richmond Football Club. How do you reflect on your playing career? Um, well, obviously, I'm pretty proud of what what I achieved. Um, there's there is that uh, lingering bit of uh, I don't know. It's, Negativity, I guess, when I when I look back in that, I didn't have the success that I would have liked. Um, the success that Richmond are getting now um, would have been nice. Um, so there is always that um, part of it, but I'm I'm really proud that I was able to to play footy for um, 15 years, um, meet some really really special people, and travel to some some great places. Um, and obviously, captain the team was was something that was not. Um, on the agenda when I first started, um, but sort of just came about by being at the right place at the right time. Really, yeah. Um, is it is it difficult watching your old club now? 
Uh, it's uh, it's not difficult, um, but there there is a. It's probably more jealousy. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, to a degree, because it's only because when you play, and a lot because a lot of the guys that are playing in that team I played with, when you play, and you would have gone the same, through the same sort of things, but you you envision um, celebrating premierships you know when you when you see other teams win you go geez i'd love to be there with um you know whoever it is that you're playing with at the time um and then you actually watch it and you're not a part of it um yeah that that was i was i was a little bit emotional when because i was at the game when they won the grand final um but not not out of um spite or, or any bitterness it was just like geez i'd love to be on ground celebrating with them um, it's amazing when you finish and you walk away, you just become detached from, um, you know, the, the Richmond now is, is so much different to the Richmond what, before. Why is that? As, as, a, as a player, you, where you pour your heart and soul into the club and it's your whole um, meaning day in, day out, right? That's your purpose. But once, once you leave the club, it's a pretty stark cut, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It happens pretty quick. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think because you're you're surrounded, like your life um, is just guided by um, whatever the schedule says from day to day. So you just become entrenched in in everything about that club, um, and then all of a sudden you step out, and you miss probably, you know, maybe for the first part of you know I'd like to think for a long time but not they, you, you they move of, on quick they move on quick <laughs> and you do it yourself like even when I played I was so close to a lot of the guys that started retiring yeah. towards the back end of, of my career and you know when, when they retire and they do that speech and I'm sure you've heard a lot of them too you're really emotional and you think yeah. geez it's going to be a big hole but you just move on it's not <laughs> it's not <laughs> you just move on so um, and you just you know, you might be talked about in a locker room occasionally or whatever it is, but you just get on with it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm certainly proud of what they've been able to do. I'm I'm really happy for the Richmond supporters and the faith because, um, you know, I have been through that period where we were we were compared to, um, you know, you hear about Carlton now, we were compared to um, the Fitzroy's um, back in the geez, late '80s, maybe early '90s. Yeah. Um, of being the worst team ever. Um, and that was Dimmer's first year, I think, as coach. Worst team ever to play mm. the game. Um, and so, you know, I was talking about full circle. It's sort of, you know, it's amazing how quickly. And so you, you were a senior, you would have been a senior player at that point in time. Um, yeah, I was captain. He was captain. I'll cap- I was More captain. I was a senior player. Yeah. Um, and effectively, I think you played three finals yeah. throughout your career. Um and this isn't to be provocative at all, but how do you define success? Like you had a phenomenal career, captain of a of a league football club. Yeah. Was it a successful career? It's a really interesting question and one that I'm still searching to answer. I actually don't. I actually don't know the answer to that the, the way I defined defined um, success when I played was um, more about. Um, the relationships that I formed, and the, the friendships that I formed, that I formed along that journey, um, and as I said before, the places that you see, um, the opportunities that you're presented with, um, you know, you're just so lucky to be in an AFL system. 
Um, and I, I can't, I can't reflect on, I can't be one of those players that's just, that defines success by grand finals or, or finals appearances or Brownlows or best and fairest. So I never, I never really had any of that, but I just see myself as being extremely lucky to be in that industry um, for a long period of time. I'm glad you said that. I, I think and I agree with you in terms of success isn't necessarily wins or losses or premierships per se. It's almost your level of commitment and the relationships and the friendships that are born out of that period of time. And the, the industry as a whole, I feel like, can be a bit skewed on that um, in terms of the reason you play is for premierships, effectively. But, but is it? Well, they're hard to come by. So if you're defining um, success on winning premierships, there's going to be a lot of um, bitter ex-AFL footballers out there. Um, but it was like I posed that question to um, one of the guys here at the club and said, what would you prefer to play one season and win a grand final or 15 years and, and not win a question. grand final? Um, and even that one was hard to ponder. You know, Can you walk away happy with playing one successful year or do you want to be a part of a journey for a long period of time where does it sit for you you're at the you know you're finished now you're in the coaching ranks well it's hard to compare where's, because where's I just, tipping point i've never really been in a position where geez we can have a real run at this um i've been i've played finals but we we bundled out the first game every year um so i never really pushed beyond that um so that's why i'm saying for me i I feel like I've I was just extremely lucky to be part of this journey um, for a long period of time, and um, you know the success didn't happen, but it doesn't happen for a lot of a lot of AFL footballers. How, how difficult um, was it during those really hard times at Richmond, where you're being compared and spoken about in, in really poor light as as the captain, as the the leader of the football club? What what are some of the the challenges that the outside we may not have seen? Uh, we went through some some pretty dark times, obviously when uh, or challenging times. When I took over as captain, my first year, Ben Cousins arrived. Uh, my first year as captain, so um, you know, I felt when I took over as captain, I I already felt out of my depth. Um, I think that's uh, something that's ingrained in me that I, I I might take a little bit of time to feel comfortable in a certain role and then I feel like I once I'm comfortable and got a grasp of what it entails, then I can start to thrive um, or improve. Um, so when I was first captain, I, I still doubted myself because I still had um, Richo, Kane Johnson, you know, Joel Bowden, Nathan Brown... Um, you know, a lot of seniority around me still, and I still didn't feel like I was the leader. Um, so it took a little bit of time to find my feet there. But um, then Ben Cousins arrived um, in my first year. Terry Wallace um, didn't finish the season. Um, so there was all, all that sort of controversy. Um, we were not going so great. Talking about a new coach, and then the new coach comes in and we start to get compared. We didn't win a game for the first 10 games of the year, I think, in, in Dimmer's first year. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, really challenging to try and galvanise a group that was sort of at the crossroads in terms of the list. There were some guys that were ready to retire. There were some guys that still needed a lot of game time. Yeah. Um, 
but we just had to keep the group motivated and get through that that period of time and um we feel like we did that not that's why that's where i feel like um damien hardwick's greatest strength was he always um kept their eyes up and eyes well and truly on what we could achieve long term not so much let's not get buried in into um you know this hole that uh everyone's putting us in as a as a captain we consulted in the ben cousins sort of recruitment process yeah I was yeah um I thought at the time because we had the 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 general consensus was we actually finished when was it two might have been 2008 the 2008 season pretty well um and we won quite a few games at the back end we just missed out on playing finals and we still had some top end talent that was elite um so we thought uh, geez if if Kaz has got a um grasp on his his life at the moment and feels like he's in control a little bit can we get him in um can we can we uh keep him on the straight and narrow to a degree and can we get some good footy out of him to help us maybe play in finals um that was the um that was the vision and uh, i think it was the first game he played against uh carlton he tore his hamstring off the bone we lost by a significant amount um it was like all this excitement generated through the preseason. Like we could make a good run at this. Um, ben Cousins is here. We've got a big following now. You know the crowds come for training, and it was a different feel around the club. And then it just bottomed out in that first round. Cuz did play some good football and contributed. What did he bring to the group besides his on-field attributes? Um, he was an. He was. Um, he was enormous for me um, personally. Um, he had he had a way with his words, and um, I'd never I'd never met I'd never met anyone that was that could just form this steely resolve in you before a game just by using a few words and um, the way he expressed it. Um, you know, he'd screw his nose up and he'd just, he'd give you that confidence that we're going to be okay. Um, <laughs> we weren't, turns out. <laughs> um, but he'd give you that confidence. Really? And if it was false hope, then so yeah. be it. But, um, and there are other times where obviously it was a, a challenging period for me as, as captain. Um, uh, there'd be there'd be late nights or, you know, we'd play night games. Um, and then we'd have an hour long conversation on the phone and we'd talk about, um, um, you know, different things that happened that day, yep. um, how we can get out of that, just maybe chewing the fat or whatever it is. But um, that that was one thing that I he, he always I always felt like um, he had my back as as captain, um, almost a, a mentor of sorts. A little bit, yeah, um, because he's a very he's a very smart man. And look, I know that uh, the stuff that's that's happening now is not ideal, and the. Um, you know where he's found himself, but um, you're a very intelligent individual and um, very, very good football brain. Um, very, very charismatic. The, the brief yeah. dealings I'd have I've had with him, yeah, very engaging, yes. very charismatic. The kind of guy you'd almost do anything for in a really odd sort of a way. That's what I mean. That's the sort of um, feeling that you got pre-game. You know, he wasn't. He didn't come to be a leader of the club, but he just couldn't help but be one game day. Yeah. Um, 
I didn't really see any of that. You know, did you hear about his training habits and he was he was the best trainer? Yeah, certainly heard of them in our folklore. Yeah, so never. But we were looking forward to seeing that. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing what it is. But we got the back end of his career, so he never really had it training. But game day, you'd hear this noise that was, you know, 25 meters back. Yeah, and he'd just come past you. It almost sounded like a bit of a pig, you know, the way he was breathing. <laughs> Yeah. But it was like you yeah. could hear it, but he just worked himself so yeah, hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, he he was the recruitment of, of Cuz was obviously some somewhat of a, a turning point or a pivot moment for for Richmond um, during your helm. Were there any other periods in time where you, you reflect upon and think, "Oh, if I had have made that decision." instead of the one that I made, things could have played out slightly differently? Um, oh, I really thought about that question. I'm sure there's many. I'm sure there's many of those times. Um, as, as I said before, I was a young-ish captain um, and um, I, I remember when I, the very first day that there was an, an announcement that I was captain, I didn't know what to do with myself. Um, <laughs> like, honestly, I went down the locker room and I couldn't sit still because I just felt like I had to, well, what do I have to do now? You know, <laughs> like, it's just, it's amazing. You get the responsibility. You go searching for things. Um, but as I, like, once I settled, um, I, I just had to be my own leader. Um, and and part of that was um, I felt like my my greatest asset as, as a leader was... Um, to galvanise the group, mm-hmm. but also just form relationships with all um, uh, ranges of age, yep. um, which is difficult um, to do, especially now. It's probably harder now, um, but um, I felt like that was my greatest strength, so I just had to do that, try and guide us into the right direction and then just make way for Kochi to come in and, <laughs> and then have, that, have a little successful career that he's formed himself now. He certainly has. Yeah. And so handing the baton to Trent Cochin, yep. um, was it always, it was always a foregone conclusion that he was the next man? I think so. To be fair? Yeah, I think so. We certainly thought so. Yep. Um, um, and, you know, that's that's one thing that you, you look back now and he was so young when he took over. I can't even think. I think he might have been 22 or, you know, been, guess. really young. Um, Too young? Don't know. I'm not sure. He, he took a little bit of time, as all captains do, to to develop. And um, but you could always see it. He was always wise beyond his years. Um, very mature. Mm-hmm. Um, had everyone's best interests at heart. Uh, very well mannered, polite, off the field. Um, you know, great family. Um, so y- you could see that he would develop into this, well, the captain that I think you see today. Yeah. Um, so it probably took him a little bit of time to find his feet. Yeah. Um, so it was pretty early, but I was—I felt like I was at the end of my time and how much more could I offer this playing group? What I felt, it was just going in this other direction um, and it was time to, to step aside. There was just, I felt like I had maybe two or three years left. I wanted to enjoy just playing footy again, not with the burden of yeah. that everything that comes with being a leader or a captain. And assuming you became a, a really solid sounding board for Koch in his first couple of years. Yeah, I think so to a degree. And I also was con- conscious of um, this is his team now. He needs to just um, forge his own path and 
um, create his own culture, yeah. of, you know, where we want to take this. And that's that's the hardest part about trying to take over because a lot of even my views when I was, which which is a good thing because I had some really good mentors, but you know, Kane Johnson, um, Wayne Campbell, um, you know, two terrific leaders. Um, I still look to them, um, you know, at the back end of my career to, for, for advice and um, anything that the captain would say. Um, I felt like that's right. You know, anything that, if he's saying it, that's right, um, which is completely wrong. You know, it's complete rubbish at times because <laughs> at times I didn't know, really know what I was doing, but you just have confidence. I yeah. don't know for whatever reason. Um, Does Koch still use you as a, a mentor or a sounding board now? No, probably not so much. Um, he's a very independent um, man and, um, and, and you could feel that early on you know even his even his decision to you know it wasn't controversial at the time but his decision not to take the number 17 jumper that was um probably a sign of hey this is a different time now um at the time i didn't really know how to take that but upon reflection all all captains wore well it was it was a tradition that wasn't um i think wayne campbell started with it um kane johnson myself um, so it was around for a little bit, but not a long-standing tradition. Um, but looking back, I really admire Trent to say, "No, I'm number nine. Um, this is my team, and I'm going to take it this way." Um, so, how, how from the from the boy that took the captaincy to the man we see out there now? What comparisons can you can you draw? Can you make in terms of his his leadership? Oh, I think. Um, the the one thing that he needed to identify was um, what is his greatest strength um, as captain. I always felt um, initially it was his on-field presence and the way he could lift the, lift the team, lead by example. Um, uh, I, I think you, 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 you've seen that grow over the years. He's felt more comfortable. He's galvanised the group. Um, with different actions in games, even as um, last year, um, I think it was the prelim final, he kicks um, a goal, you know, spins out of trouble, yeah, kicks a, a goal. It's like, geez, this is, mm. um, you can see the passion pour out of him. Um, I just think he's taken little incremental steps and, and just got better and better and better each year with that. I don't think he's deviated from that. Um, in terms of his relationships now, he's he's formed really strong relationships. I think early on it was probably a challenge because he was so young. Um, but as he's got older, he's got a family. Um, you know, you quite often see guys staying with him at his house. Um, you know, he's got a really close relationship with Dustin. Um, you know, the, the boys see that more and more, and and I think they tend to gravi- gravitate towards him. Yeah, from the outside, one of the more remarkable transformations um, within Richmond seems to be Jack Rewalt. You'd know him better than most, I would imagine. Um, the growth in him and what he's doing for the team now, as opposed to that, that was one of his knocks earlier in his career, maybe, yeah. not being as team-focused as he certainly is now. Huge transformation. Yeah, it is. I mean, he's one that you can, um, you know you can track his career and, and early on, uh, you know, wasn't in the leadership group um, because of some of that stuff. Um, I always felt like 
I always felt like he was a really strong presence in the group and regardless of whether his opinion's right or wrong, he wants to air that. At times we had to rein that back and say, you need to have more impact when you when you do speak and not all the time. Um, but I always, I kind of like the fact that he's opinionated. He he wants to, like he's invested, mm. I feel. Um, and you have seen that growth in him. He's just, um, you know, he has become a real genuine leader in this competition in his own right and, um, you know, very, very mature now, um, whereas early on he was quite raw and young. Bit of a rabbit, wasn't he? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Um, but the way, yeah, he, he's... And his form is following um, following that. You know, he's in unbelievable touch at the moment. Um, and, um, you know, he, he is a different beast. Like, he's a full forward, but plays almost like a small forward at times. Yeah. He's one of the most agile... Um, big men that I've seen yeah. um, play the game, um, but yeah, his leadership has has just grown each year, and I think becoming more and more comfortable with with where he sits within the group. As a as a, as a captain of you know the, one of the biggest clubs in the, in the country, what were some of the more challenging aspects of being captain at Richmond? Um, oh, just a the the huge expectation like the it's one of the greatest things that you get that support that Richmond support um, you know as I said we didn't have a lot of success for a long period of time but still the membership was there the they turned up every week um, so passionate um, but with that comes a strong expectation and so it should mm. um, that you you've, you've got to start to have some success soon and um that was the the hardest. The hardest part was just to stay patient. Um, I, I I did have an inkling that yeah, this this group is quite talented. There's a lot of young kids here that with games under their belt, they're going to become really good players. I think you see now, like Shane Edwards, is a perfect example of that. You could just see talent, um, and once he got to consistency, he was going to become one of the elite players of the comp. How, how personally did you deal with that expectation, that level of sort of pressure? Did you have a really strong support network around you with the kind of guy that bottled it all up and um, and, and dealt with it privately? Um, yeah, I had a really strong support network. Um, obviously at home with family, um, with my wife, um, you know, my uh, my mum, my brother, uh, my sister, you know, obviously the family's always there, but I also still had those strong mentors in, you know, Wayne Campbell was still at the club at the time early on. Um, but I would... I would bottle it up to a degree. Um, I always felt like, regardless of how um, how much we're in a hole, um, I couldn't let it show to the playing group. I needed that was one thing that I was always conscious of. We're in control here; yeah. like it's going to be okay. Um, so that I think that's one of the greatest challenges. How do I show a bit of a poker face at times, and even sell some um, some false hope, yep. um, just to keep the group motivated. That was hard. That's hard to keep the group motivated when you're just losing week in, week out. Um, And people can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. So so culture and winning culture is one of those intangible things that um, as a coach now yourself, you're driving and pursuing and and trying to leverage. Coming from Richmond to then coming into Hawthorne, what were some of the 
what was your initial um, feeling coming into Hawthorne by way of comparison? Um, I, I was uh, I was worried about coming to Hawthorne because um, I didn't think my initial thought was what can I offer this group, this group that had just won their third premiership in a row. Um, so I was really nervous about coming here because I, I didn't really back myself into you know how am I going to how am I going to make an impact. Um, so. I took a little bit of time with that, but um, I think initially both th- there's a lot of comparisons. Um, there's 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 a there's a lot of things that I feel like obviously with Damien going to Richmond took probably took a lot from here. So um, yeah, there, there were some things day to day that were were done differently, but an overall feel and culture. Um, both both clubs are just full of good people I think first and foremost once you get that you have good people in the right places um, everywhere from footy level to you know board to administration then things just seem to run systematically and I felt that that was really similar Um, the sense of family I think you feel here and you felt at Richmond also Um, you know it's a family club family comes first um the biggest comparison was probably the seniority that was here at the time when I first got here. The player-driven, yep. um, you know, self-belief. Um, you know, we I come from Richmond where, yep, we felt like we were on the verge of something, but we just weren't sure. Whereas here, it was just like, it wasn't a strut, but it was just like, yeah, yep. we know we're we know we're pretty good, and we, we'll self, we're self-driven, and the and out in the training track. Some of the senior guys, Hodgie at the time, and I was just a little bit gobsmacked as to, geez, these guys are in total control here um, in the standards that they train with, with just being a little bit more laid back with their approach. Um, and I think that comes hand in hand with having some success. We can afford to do that. It wasn't as intense. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I did see some comparisons straight away, but I also saw a lot of similarities with the two. The two groups. Was it always going to be coaching for you? Uh, yeah, I think so. In the back end of my career, I tried to set myself up as much as possible, and yep. um, uh, did some work with Sandringham Dragons uh, with Justin Plapp, um, yep. which was really good for me. I did a little bit of work with the VFL group when I wasn't playing, if I was injured. Um, so I tried to uh, the next next coach uh, program with David Whedon, which is you know um, really really successful. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was going to be the path. Um, I wanted to be back into a football environment in some capacity uh, without having the, the physical yeah. expectations. Yeah. Um, and I was lucky enough to, to get an opportunity here. Yeah, so at this point in time, your first year at Hawthorne was development coach and we're at the back end now of your second year coach at Box Hill, the VFL affiliate team. Yep. What, are, what, are the, what are the three things you've learned most from Clarko? having been involved in his systems and his program? Yeah, well, the, the first, I mentioned it before, but the, the sense of family and, and the importance of, of family. Um, one thing that he does so well, and I I don't know how he does it, but he's just, he's got this memory because I think he invests in people. Um, you know, he'll know names, he'll know family members, he'll know th- their names, he'll know issues that's happened in the family or so... Um, you know, in terms of depth of relationship, I think that's his greatest strength. And um, also, 
the thing that he does really well and I'd um you know I'd love to follow in his footsteps in this in this area but I just don't know how to do it yet but he's his storytelling and you would have felt it too um he's always got a reference to something um and it's always an experience and it's got so much more impact when um a coach stands in front of you and it and it's raw and not just rah-rah sort of stuff when he can when he can um go when he can speak to the group and and draw some some emotion then that's when the playing group sort of listen Mm. and take stock but when you sit up there and dribble a lot of stuff that you hear a lot of then you just switch switch off that's what you do as a player like it's hard to concentrate for a long period of time but all of a sudden it's like a story and uh you know he'll say oh oh, twiggy johnson or whatever from wherever it was don't know where he's going with it he brings it back yeah it's just you know he's got this um ability to just have you in the palm of your hand and you just um you get drawn to him um so um yeah i'd love to try and emulate that as much as possible i don't I don't know what it is. Maybe I've I haven't lived a very exciting life, but it's hard. It's hard to think of stories to to um to draw on. And uh, I'm convinced he makes half of them up. <laughs> yeah, well, he probably does. He's but no one knows. Training just plucks this <laughs> yeah. bizarre storyline saw on some well, combat night before. But that's probably. But who knows? Like he walks out, you walk out of the room, and you just believe it. Um, so yeah, and you know, he's just got these uncanny ways of um. Of drawing comparisons to you. this is the focus, but he'll use some a guitar or use <laughs> <laughs> so guitar. What was his storyline when he brought the guitar out? Yeah, well, he doesn't have much of a storyline. I think he just likes to strum the guitar and he's had a, he has a, he has the occasional bomb though. Not he's ninety nine out of hundred he nails it. Yeah, but every now he he pulled up some ballerina or some opera music at one team meeting heard about years that ago that was a bit of a and we walked out just thinking what the hell was that <laughs> <laughs> like, he yeah. lost the boys within the first two minutes yeah yeah well he has had some bombs um but he's had more hits than misses i think um but yeah i think he's he just he's not afraid to be vulnerable in front of the group and he's not very good at playing the guitar nor is he a great <laughs> singer but he'll do it in front of the group yeah. um and i think the group admire that when i first heard him sing i was like this isn't gonna happen is it but it happened and it just, you know, I, I appreciated that he yeah. was vulnerable in front of the group and it, it, it hit the mark. So you've been, you've been head coach at Box Hill for a couple of years. Have you been vulnerable in front of the group? Have you sort of tapped into that or are you sort of learning to tap into that? Yeah, I have. And um, I think it's so important for the group to feel that. Um, you think you've got to be human as a coach. Um, and uh, I made sure of that pretty early on. We had a camp in... Um, uh, my first year as coach and um, we told some stories that were quite personal um, and I got quite, quite emotional with with um, some of my stories that I told or a couple of my stories that I told and um, the group appreciates that and and not only that, the group then trusts you, I guess, and then they, they can open up. So that was really important. I felt like I needed to do that almost straight away. So different to when we first started. Yeah. Wasn't it? Put the armor on as soon as you walk in. Put yeah. the headgear on. Yeah, and um, you'll get spat out if you're not uh, hard enough. Almost. Yeah, well, you, I think. I think your your vulnerability was almost seen as a weakness. It was early yeah. on, um, but now it's you've got to do it. Um, so much pressure involved in footy. It's so serious. Um, you need to. It's too serious. 
Uh, it uh, depends on where you are, I guess. Um, I think it has to be serious to a degree. Um, there's a lot on the line. It's a billion-dollar business. Um, but I, you've got to have a you've got to have a balance. Um, something that I never really had, and one of my not regrets, but I was just sort of. Um, I didn't really have a direction other than footy when I played. Um, but guys that have an outlet are the guys that seem the most comfortable in their skin when they're at the footy club. They don't get absorbed so much. So that's a big part of, you know, is it is it too serious? Well, um, how much are you investing in other things? Um, and it's, it is more, I think, on the individual. Like, how, how can you get that balance? Can you... Be serious out there on the track, and then come in and have a bit of fun. And um, or you're just a footy head that just wants to um, get the most out of yourself at every at every turn. Yeah, you know, we'll wrap things up shortly, but we'll just do some um, some word association. The first thing that pops into your head, okay, when I mention punt road. Ah, uh, oh, <laughs> so bad at this straight away. I can't <laughs> think of it. In this. Um, yellow and black. Uh, Damien Hardwick. Uh, leader. Touched on a couple of these guys, but um, Nathan Brown. Freak. Ben Cousins. Jeez. Uh, oh, I'm going to say freak again, but I, I can only, it's hard with Cuz because I think about, you know, the Cuzzy now or the Cuzzy. Um, I just I feel like troubled now. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, he was a freak too. When he played, Richard. Um, oh, Jesus, he's always another freak too. Oh, is he? Well, <laughs> so many freaks, but he was one guy. That, and I know it's word association, but it's probably not. He's there's there's a couple of guys that took a game by the scruff of the neck. Alex Rance, when I played, and and Richard yeah. uh, when I played with him. So he was he could turn the game on its head. But Lydia, uh, friend, very good friend, Dusty. <laughs> Another freak. Um, <laughs> I want to say big fella. Um, we always got into each other about our skin folds when yeah. we were at the club. Um, but, yeah, he's another freak. Yeah. What, what advice would you give uh, your younger self, the 20-year-old Chris Newman, now? Um, I'd love to – I would have loved to have had more investment in um, probably my headspace. Um Different, different environment now, yeah. um, because there's resources that weren't available back when I was 20. Yeah. Um, but I just feel like that's so, so important now. The game is played so much above your shoulders, and you hear that, and it's almost a cliche term, but that's that's right. There's something we flippantly said, wasn't it? So yeah, it was one of those throwaway lines. But now there is that genuine investment. Yes, on and off the field. So um, we spoke about it. Is it too serious? Well. Um, it probably is to a degree, so you need to be able to have an outlet. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have invested more time in, in that, even in the back end of my career when the resource was probably there, I didn't invest as much time in that. And it's so, so important. Now, if you can play with clarity of mind, um, I feel like you get such a, a huge advantage. I feel like you might have just answered this, but did you have a, a motto when you are playing in sort of a, a cliche as a coach now that you instill in your players? Um, compete. Yep. Yep. I, I was never um, a flashy player. Never. Um, I, I just had to compete. So like you had a good leg, though. 
What's that? You had a good leg. It was okay. It was okay. <laughs> it was okay. No, but I, I had to compete. I, if I wanted to keep my spot, that was, and if I wanted to have an impact for the team, I needed to compete. So that's what I try and instill in, in the players now. Yeah. Um, so it's not really a motto per se, but I, the expectation is effort every week. Christian, I really enjoyed the chat. Thanks that you're a well-respected competitor on the field and now a, a buddy co- budding coach and a senior AFL coach in waiting. Thanks for your time. Thanks, mate. We're talking footy.